Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? We do. It, it's uh, part of our heritage. This this important Canadian heritage moment is just yeah. the entire series of Radio Free Roscoe. I feel like that's like a troll YouTube upload that somebody would make. The entirety of a Canadian series sandwiched in the <laughs> like heritage moments wrapper. And you get this like 20 hour long YouTube upload. Like I sepia tone. I love it. I think that's the way to go. I think that's yeah. that kind of hits in the same niche that I really like, which is um, people putting Broadway bootlegs on YouTube and they'll come up with like a really like convoluted um, name for it. Well, some of them aren't. Some of them are, are like, this is definitely not Amelie. And then it's like <laughs> the full, full recording of Amelie. But there are some of them that were like, um, a man dies of AIDS during a bar mitzvah and it's just falsettos. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, sorry for anybody who is trying to dodge falsetto spoilers. <laughs> I didn't make the names. They were just given to me. So uh, today we're looking at season two, episode nine, You've Got Mail, first aired October 15th, 2004, written by Michael Gelbart and directed by Steve Wright. This episode marks the first appearance of Hilary Krakowdis as Megan. Uh, now goes by Hill Krakowdis, and my my God, she's had a, a kind of big music career post this show. She's been doing a ton of music things um, as a performer, as a producer, um, as a remixer of many tracks. She's worked with a ton of different groups and different artists, um, including Serena Ryder, The Weeknd, Martha and the Muffins, Tara Sloan, Simon Wilcox, just tons of stuff um, under her belt. I uh, took a peek into some of her music, um, specifically some of the music that she's done under Hill and the Sky Heroes, and have come across just just some bops, just some real bops. That's awesome. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm so grateful that we do this podcast, because I never would have looked up what she was doing and found this band. She's done I a love ton of that. cool music stuff. So yeah, she's... She's out there making music, which is uh, really cool as we, you know, come to see her as uh, the the completion of the, the trio between Lily Parker and her character, Megan. Dear Bridget, I thought I'd give you a play-by-play of life here at Roscoe so you could feel like you were sitting right next to me. So far, the most exciting thing to report is that the paint is starting to dry in room 201. We start off the episode with our framing device for the episode. Travis has got a chunky laptop and he is writing emails to Bridget. And so Travis is kind of our narrator of things to happen this episode, which is fun. <laughs> as, as he writes on this very outdated 2003 email system in this very old laptop. It's a, it's a delightful piece of tech that we get some good glimpses of. But uh, as he's, he's narrating, we see that he's watching... Ray in the hallway kind of like pumping himself up to, to talk to Lily. But before he can do that, he's interrupted by Principal Waller, who points out this poster that Ray's been looking at for the the Mr. Roscoe pageant. I, <laughs> I guess this high school has a pageant every year. This is the 25th annual one. That's wild to me. And I'm so confused. So, like, that as a concept is wild, but then Waller's like, hey, you, you you should go for this. Could use a ninth grader like you. Or Ray's like, no, I'm good. 
And Waller's like, oh, and you wonder why you see low achiever on your report cards. Because he's not in a pageant. <laughs> yes, he's failing in pageantry 101. And Waller mentions that the pageant is like a fundraiser for the basketball team <laughs> to replace like their jock straps. Oh, which God. Ew. <laughs> ew. <laughs> but I mean, we we gotta we gotta look at this poster. So oh man, there there's so much happening. I don't know how to describe the the man, the boy. <laughs> who's yeah? Who's like? 80s prom photo do you think that was like <laughs> oh i really hope that somebody in the crew i really hope right? that this is like doug mcrobb maybe this is george george is this you okay does? <laughs> george is this you answer me hashtag george is this you but yeah it's like this 80s 90s prom looking kind of photo of a, a teen in a tux with the words mr roscoe Paget" written uh over top of him there's a crown over the R in Roscoe, but beside that, there is, like, a, a bar, like, a vertical yellow bar, and there's, like, a, a kind of clip art dude with also wearing a crown, and he's doing kind of, like, the okay symbol with yeah, his like, hand. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm a Mr. Okay. Roscoe. And then there's, like, a big, a big, like, blue bubble with red text over it, which is not accessible. And, uh, and it's this, not AODA compliant. This is not a, Have you even read WCAG? What are you doing? <laughs> and it says, this could be you, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. And oh, oh boy. My God. Oh, boy. And the cloud we, looks like, it looks like, like a Microsoft Word shape. I, absolutely. I And it's got like a black stroke around it. So that's oh, how yeah. you know it's good graphic design. But I mean, we've we've been blessed with a lot of really great posters across the show. You know, from the the guitar teachers ad to the open mic ad to uh, the entropy promotions. But this one this one's really high up there. Decode Entertainment or whatever company you are now. If you ever want like a a cheap merch idea that I would absolutely buy, release like a poster set. Oh, <laughs> I radio free rascal. <laughs> I would get all of these posters, man. Yeah, the open mic with the screaming. Me. I mean, we we would lose our souls in the process, but yeah, be worth it. Be worth it. Totally worth it. So after the Waller diversion, which is so welcome, we've missed Danny Waller. He's so great. Ray approaches Lily, who's just like chatting with a friend, and he tells her he has something to ask her, and it seems like he's like gonna do the thing and then of course he kind of craps out and he says hey man you don't <laughs> say hey, hey man. man and uh unfortunately parker interrupts any other attempts to to get his words out and we get to meet megan parker's been trying to come up with a name for this band that she and lily are starting and or now they have a drummer and it's megan and she's really cool and she hasn't said anything yet but i've always loved her like super long black hair She's got really great eyeliner, and yeah, she's a cool, like, girl drummer. Parker mentions to Lily that a classmate got, like, serenaded out after class period, and Lily's saying, oh, that's so romantic, and the girls go off and leave Ray, and Ray's like, I gotta do something romantic, and for some reason, his eyes go to the Mr. Roscoe pageant poster. I, I have to be this man. Yes, this could be, be me. I, I could be, be going, okay, on stage. Okay. I got a crown. <laughs> so in the cafeteria, he tells Robbie and Travis this plan, and they're both like, are you serious? 
What the hell, man? But as they're talking, Kim Carlisle comes on the air in Cougar Radio and is talking about the pageant and like endorses River Pierce in this pageant, which it's it's no surprise River is involved in this. River is just the the center of everything this season, it seems. But uh, Robbie kind of pulls this whole bit about how annoyed he is that she's endorsing him. And and he's like, if I could stand her at all, I'd give her a piece of my mind. But but I can't. I, I can't. So I'm just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Ray and Travis kind of look kind of skeptical. Like, they're like, you're being weird. <laughs> also... I love the phrase endorsing River Pierce. It makes Mr. Roscoe seem very like... Very political. <laughs> very political. Like there's a lot of gravity to being elected Mr. Roscoe. Yeah, dude, Not many people can wear the crown. Here. I'm, I'm very excited to see what actually goes into this pageant. Well, it looks like according to the poster in three different lime green bars, it says <laughs> formal wear, talent, and Q&A. Wow. So I we're in for a treat. I'm very excited. Why are you laying it on so thick for River Pierce? It's not personal, it's salesmanship. If you're trying to get people to attend the fundraiser, you have to mention the star attraction. Oh, the Travis framing device continues, and it's very good. He's just sitting on the staircase, typing, and somehow listening in on conversations. They're like 15 <laughs> Robbie, feet away. Yeah, it's weird. Robbie confronts Kim about straight up endorsing River Pierce, and they start doing this like playful teasing thing that they're always doing where Robbie's like, oh, I know who would make a better Mr. Roscoe. Dur, 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 dur. And <laughs> Kim's like, would that person have to be ninth grader? Buh, buh, buh. And then <laughs> this is how flirting goes. You go do do and then you go buh, buh, buh. I'm getting married. <laughs> Follow my dating tips. This person is a fiance. <laughs> I'm a fiance. I'm going to be a wife. Ew. <laughs> Ew. But River Pierce butts in and says, hey, Kim, great job on the PR. I'm still trying to decide on my formal wear. <laughs> it's great. Like, Robbie's, like, kind of making fun of him behind. This whole time, you can kind of see in the background, Travis just, like, peering over at them looking super creepy. <laughs> it's it's really weird blocking because it almost <laughs> looks like, like, you, you get that it's supposed to be Travis watching, but it, to me, just kind of looks like when you haven't, like, you're doing a middle school play and you haven't yes. given the kids in the background any, like, action to do. And they're just, like, sitting there <laughs> Pause. waiting yeah. for what they're supposed to do in the scene. So it just Line. kind of looks very awkward. It looks super awkward. And then it's, like, such a weird close to the scene. But it's really funny because an alarm goes off on Travis's laptop and somehow... It's, it's like loud enough that it alerts yeah, like the whole hallway. It's like it's like not even an alarm. It's like he he hits like a button or like he like clicks something that's like disabled. It's like one of those like default computer sounds yeah, when just like, like a you, boop. you just yeah, just like a little error noise. And yeah, like everyone turns around they're like what? <laughs> a laptop in the school? Who said that? Suddenly here <laughs> Travis just kind of bundles up his laptop and says, "Carry on." and walks away. It's very Travis. It's very, very good. Travis. Man, work on, I think his espionage skills are getting rusty. Mm-hmm. Roscoe is like mellowing him out. We go to the radio station and Travis is continuing to type to Bridget while the show's going on. And uh, he's just like live Robbie's... blogging it. He's just like, things are getting yeah. pretty heated at RFR while he's supposed <laughs> to be like doing his job at RFR. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
not super responsible of our audio engineer. I couldn't help noticing that Cougar Radio has become a promotional station for River Pierce. Should a student radio station be backing one contestant above the others? Robbie, as he tends to do whenever he has an issue with Kim, he makes like the whole show <laughs> about Kim endorsing uh, River Pierce. And they're just talking about like the Mr. Roscoe pageant in general. Lily doesn't like it. Ray's trying to like soften her stance on it because clearly he's going to be going for it. He's like, it's stupid, but it's good stupid. Like me. No, he doesn't say that. But. No, but, but he does say like putting a bus steering wheel on your bike, stupid. That's just stupid, stupid, what? I think. <laughs> what? How does that go? Why? Why would it wouldn't even be fun? Like you wouldn't even be able to like steer the bike properly using the the wheel that you glued on. Yeah, this this isn't an example of good stupid. It's it's such bad stupid, and I don't understand it. It's kind of like whimsical stupid, as long as it's not meant for operational capabilities. Robbie picks up on the fact that Travis is typing to Bridget, and he says, "You're not telling her about RFR. Are you it's supposed to be secret?" And Travis is like, oh yeah, I'm telling her about how we're at Mickey's. <laughs> we get this weird device for that. Where it's like, we go to like this shot of the four of them playing cards at Mickey's. And it's kind of like, for each time somebody talks, we, we see them on screen like putting cards into the center of the table. I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's, like... it's very confusing. It's like we, we hear the audio of like the RFR broadcast as if it's happening but yeah, I guess this is like Travis's made-up scenario where instead of being at the station, they're playing poker at Mickey's. Yeah. And it's like a poker game instead of a, a like debate between all of them. It's very it's a very confusing device. Yeah, and then it, it ends with as the show signs off, we go to the Mickey's table and nobody was there. Oh, Ooh. it was an illusion the whole time. The alchemist, he's back. Oh shit. Yeah, the alchemist disappeared them all. Hey, that's what we can name the band. Overrated. That way the reviewers will say, there's nothing overrated about. Overrated. Off in the cafeteria, Parker is now like Ray's manager for the Mr. Roscoe pageant. She's like jumped in like to her knees. She's on the phone like ordering him formal wear. <laughs> she, she asks for a 38 regular in gold. I'm really excited to see what that is. Oh, boy. <laughs> Megan's just kind of chilling at the table. Travis is typing away. And Lily's, like, trying to force herself to come up with a band name and getting super stressed about it. We get this wide shot of them all sitting at the table. And it's just, there was just something about that is so cute. It makes me miss, like, the high school cafeteria being huddled around with your buddies. And sometimes every people are doing different things. But there's just, like, that feeling of just, like, being around your friends. <laughs> I think I think you're just missing being around people. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> that's probably it. Travis continues to document everything in his emails to Bridget. Like, man cannot just, like, look at a day and summarize it. Just needs to constantly be typing. It, how often is he sending an email? Or is he just writing a full email of everything that happens in a day and sending it at the end of the day? Or is he sending an email, like, every couple of paragraphs? Because, oh boy. And it's like... Like, this is emails, too. This isn't instant messaging. Like, I feel like if it was MSN, that would be different. But now he's just clogging Bridget's inbox with, like, 10.05 a.m., 10.08 a.m. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> of, like, just 
pretty pretty boring high school shit yeah i feel like bridget would be kind of sick of these people <laughs> yeah like, after how weird they were to work yeah. like hey, you you remember ray that that guy that kept harassing you to 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 tell him weird stories about me yeah he's entering a pageant you want to hear about that i guess she would probably find that pretty funny yeah but but yeah, but they, uh, you know, while they're hanging out in the cafeteria, they ask Ray why he's taking on this pageant. And we see, like, this guy walk in with, like, just so many helium balloons and a teddy yeah. bear. I guess he's asking this girl out and he, he decided to do it with, like, 30 helium balloons. And they, like, hug and everyone's, like, real excited. And Ray's like, I have my reasons. And he kind of looks over at Lily, who's not really paying attention. But, like... So it's so dramatic. If this were like a prom scenario, then I would get it. Yeah. Because that was a big yeah. thing in high school was like you you do your promposal and you ask somebody to prom in like some big fanciful way. So like it, it, that would make sense for what is happening. I don't I don't get how this all correlates with Balloon Man and Pageant Boy. It's my favorite <laughs> favorite superhero duo. Cartoon. Yeah, I feel like they've sort of conflated this Mr. Roscoe with Prom King or something. Yeah. Like, I almost want to imagine that the guy wasn't asking the girl out. And he was like, will you endorse me as your candidate for <laughs> Mr. Roscoe? <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, of course I will. Oh, my God. <laughs> we get a heart-to-heart moment with Ray and Travis now that they're no longer competing for Lily. Ray's kind of looking wistfully at the terrifying Mr. Roscoe poster. Travis comes and has a chat with him. And Travis is like, why are you asking Lily out this way? And Ray's like, I just got to do it, man. Some This feels really right. And I got to jump on my chance. You know what I mean? And Travis is like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like that time I pantsed a guy. Travis. <laughs> Travis. Why are you pantsing a man? Yeah, I don't think pantsing a man is part of Buddhism. No, but it's also like, it doesn't fit with anything that we know about Travis. Because we've seen him threaten right? people before. We've seen him threaten to punch people. We've seen him threaten mm-hmm. bullies. We've seen him threaten Ray. Like... This this man could hurt somebody. Why would he pants somebody? Yeah. <laughs> In what context that's like, would he pants somebody? Yeah, Travis isn't like that much of a rascal, I don't feel like. He's not he's not the rascally type. All I can think of is uh an earlier episode where Ray's trying to get people to sign Lily's petition yes. and he just threatens to take off his pants. He's like, that's that's the ticket. That's the tactic you've got to use. I've made you the official contestant of Cougar Radio, so you better not blow this. Timmy, it's River Pierce here. I could wear nothing but a loincloth and win this puppy. Then we go to Kim and River chatting outside of Cougar Radio, and like Kim's worried that River's not going to do well or something, and River's like, relax, I could win this thing wearing a loincloth. <laughs> and then Kim kind of like looks off in the distance a little bit and he's like, you're picturing it, aren't you? It's so weird. <laughs> it's so it, weird. Especially Steve Belford is so much older than all the other kids. But they're all supposed to be like teens. Like little Yeah, little you're supposed teens. to be little babies. Oh my god. Man. But then the best part of the scene is River walks off and Robbie passes him in the hallway and we get just this slow-mo weird energy between them <laughs> very very intense stare down of the two of them just yeah. slow-mo uh yeah staring each other down and ooh, ooh, they look angry yeah and it's hard to place like what's happening here are they like competing over kim competing over mr roscoe i don't know like there's 
I guess we we set up that antagonistic energy a few episodes ago mm-hmm. when Robbie got disillusioned with River. So it's go time. So we're we're gonna Ooh. see what the hell the Mister Roscoe passion is. I'm so excited. So for this week's CanCon commercial break, we gotta talk about George Shrinks. Oh well, the boy's kind of small. George Shrinks. About a doesn't show at all. George Shrinks. Because he's always acting tall. George Shrinks. Uh, George Shrinks. George Shrinks. He's called. So George Shrinks first aired from 2000 to 2003. It was produced by Nelvana in association with PBS. So George Shrinks was created by William Joyce. Um, the author, not the American-born British fascist politician and Nazi propaganda broadcaster, as I as I first initially saw in a in a Google search, it was like that's, that's not the one that I'm looking for. George Shrinks is a fascist. <laughs> so so William Joyce has written and illustrated over fifty children's books, including George Shrinks, the source material for the show. Um, but also Santa Calls, Roly Polioli, The Leaf Men and the Brave Good Bugs, A Day with Wilbur Robinson, and the Guardians of Childhood series. So a ton Wait, of Roly Polioli, as in like yes. the one that the TV series is based on? Yes, yes. Oh. So um, two of his works, uh, George Rinks and Roly Polioli, both uh, turned into series that he created. So he's also had his hand in a ton of animated movies. Um, he created conceptual characters for Toy Story and A Bug's Life. Whoa! A few years later, he and Chris Wedge came up with the movie Robots Together. They conceptualized that. And then Joyce acted as the producer and the production designer on that. Um, and also, you know, outside of that, I mentioned some of the the books that he's written, two, two of which turned into two TV series. But a few of which were also turned into movies. Um, a Day with Wilbur Robinson is the inspiration for the film Meet the Robinsons, a Disney movie <gasps> from the early 2000s. One of my oh, favorites. Lovely. It is an underrated film, and I, I love it a lot. It has the best Disney villain. It does. Sure. It does. The bowler hat guy. He's delightful. Great movie. So bonus points, William Joyce. Um, his Guardians of Childhood series turned into Rise of the Guardians, the DreamWorks movie. And the Leaf Men and the Brave Good Bugs turned into Epic, the uh, 2013 CGI movie. I wouldn't have like immediately pegged robots having a family tree with Roly Poly Oli, but now I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Doesn't that make, that make sense? But yeah, like just a ton of different studios. He's had his hand in a ton of different projects. So really, really uh, cool. Like the, the creator of George Shrinks is also behind you know the source of meet the robinsons and rise of the guardians and all these pieces of media that i've been aware of for a long time but didn't realize they were all connected to this person it's very cool it's incredibly cool in 2009 he's not a fascist he's very cool and not a fascist (laughs) the two criteria Good job, William Joyce. New dating bar. I'm looking for someone who's very (laughs) cool, not a fascist. In 2009, he formed Moonbot Studios with Brandon Oldenburg. They produced the short film The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lesmore, uh, which won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short at the 84th Academy Awards. So this man is also an Oscar winner. Um, Jeez. Reading about this short film, though, um, it did mention that... uh, The movie was also released with an iPad app. So I found this blurb that says an official iPad app based on the film was also released in the Apple App Store. This, however, requires updating as it does not work with the current iOS. A book adaptation was released in late 2012. 
Which, like, is is an interesting note to make that, like, if you're going to make, like, a tie-in app with your movie and you want it to stay relevant, someone's got to continually update this app. So just just a very interesting concept of, yeah. I guess, a tie-in with this, this short film. But, uh, yeah, it's that, that's William Joyce, um, author of many a children's book and man behind a lot of uh, children's media that I grew up with. Other people on the crew, can you guess who the executive producer of this series is? Um, Hirsch. Yeah. Michael Hirsch? Yeah, it's Michael Hirsch. Surprise. Surprise. It's Michael Hirsch. Godfather of Canadian children's media of the time. So <laughs> a little bit about the show. This is the uh, Wikipedia synopsis. It says, George's tiny size turns mundane activities, such as working around the house or playing outside, into dramatic adventures. His primary mode of transportation is his Zuper car, a multi-purpose miniature vehicle he built with his father that can do things like transform into a submarine or a helicopter. George often has interesting encounters with animals who, although they do not talk, seem to be able to communicate with George throughout the series. On one occasion, he encountered a robotic alien that was his own size and helped it to get back home. Uh, one main difference from the book and the series is that in the book, George turns back to his normal size by the end his small stature lasting only a day while his parents are out. It could have all been a dream as well. It's not explained how he turns back. In the series, George appears to be permanently small with no explanation, <laughs> appearing big Jesus. in one episode, which was a dream. Which I, I will get into, but, you know, researching this, most most of the information or most of the, like, fan response or viewer response of the show is just... How did he get small? <laughs> Somebody tell me how George got small. I was just going to ask, was there an ever an origin or is he just like... I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Oh my God. Um, I, I found <laughs> this little bit from a 2000 interview with William Joyce, um, just kind of talking about adapting for, for TV, um, you know, since he was a, a children's book author first. Um, he was asked the question, do children lose their imagination when they watch TV? And William Joyce said, I don't think you can make a kid lose their imagination. Their imagination is pretty much welded in there with titanium bore. I think watching too much television or too much of the wrong kind of television pretty much just stunts their brain. But if you make them go outside and play, that imagination comes right back to life. I try to make television that actually stimulates that animation gland and drives them into almost into an imaginative conniption fit. I want them so jazzed after watching one of my shows that they can hardly stand it, that they have to go out and tell somebody or do something to reenact what they've seen by using imaginative play. Jesus Christ, I just saw George. I'm just so jazzed. Oh, fuck. So jazzed by George. I I was with, he, he said an animation gland and I just, I, I lost it. Um, gland. But yeah. Um, I, I did find in that same interview just a, a bit about um, where he got his inspiration from in terms of his children's media. And he said that Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak changed his life and set him on the path of children's literature, which I really like as a fact because uh, George Shrinks, when it was on, aired in the same block as Maurice Sendak's Seven Little Monsters, which we talked about before. Oh. So very cool for him to like have gotten his inspiration from this author this creator who he then like shared a programming block with that's got to be such like a cool feeling <laughs> yeah yeah to like share the space with somebody that you you know set you on your path oh so cool um one of the things that i think has been really consistent across most of the shows that we've talked about is theme songs that slap 
and George Shrinks <laughs> is no exception. The George Shrinks theme song slaps. It's so jazzy. It was composed by Roberto Accapinti, who is a Canadian bassist, and it was performed by Colin James, who is a rock bl- blues performer from Regina, who's been nominated for 17 Junos and is a winner of six. So uh, got some cool Canadian talent behind the theme song as well, but uh, it's just a bop. It's just a bop, man. So going into the cast for the show, I mean, you've got your kind of main characters, um, the the family, you know, George, Harold, Verdita, and Junior, and then you've got uh, George's best friend, Becky. I won't go into all of the voice actors, um, but George Shrinks is voiced by Tracy Moore. Sammy, who is oh. Tracy Moore? Tracy Moore was Sailor Moon number one in the original 1990s English dub of Sailor Moon. Can always count I have on a Sharpie that. pen in my hand as I'm reading this, and I'm emphasizing. It's <laughs> very dramatically <laughs> flailing this Sharpie. I tend to dramatically flail. I, I can always count on Sammy for Sailor Moon facts, but really facts that <laughs> I already know, but I'm like, Sammy can say this. I don't need to say, I don't need to say who this voice actor is. Sammy knows. It's my time to shine. Yes, but uh, yes, Tr- Tracy Moore was the original Sailor Moon in the dub, uh, has also done some voice acting for series like Redwall, Anne of Green Gables, and the Care Bears movies. Um, other names in this cast include Kathleen Lasky and Paula Sullivan as the parents, Harold and Perdita. You've also got Bryn McCauley as the best friend, Becky, who has done uh, voice acting in series like Camp Lake Bottom, the Total Drama franchise, Mr. Meaty, Caillou, Angela Anaconda, and Franklin. So uh, across all of these actors, really, there's just a ton of crossover in Canadian kids media at the time. A lot of people voice acting in shows that we've talked about, um, you know, things like Angela and Anaconda and Franklin uh, are things that come up across a lot of bios that we're seeing. So if you didn't get that Canada's uh, talent pool is incredibly incestuous before, there you go. Some more facts. You know, just, just doing some Google searches of George Shrinks, I came across a fun little BuzzFeed listicle called 13 Ways We All Wanted to Live Like George Shrinks. And it was all just like, <laughs> he was really small and he drove a really cool car that could turn into a helicopter, but also a submarine. And he could play with his food. And like everything was an adventure for him because he was so small and tiny. And look, he, he can, could get crushed at any minute. <laughs> he can ride a dog. Sick. <laughs> I, I like uh, point number 12 in this list was it was nearly impossible for George to go hungry. I mean, he could realistically survive off of a grape for an entire week. <laughs> I come across like fandom posts from a lot of shows when doing this research. This is the first time I think I've come across a Pinterest board. Really? <laughs> for all of your George Shrinks inspiration, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking of redecorating. <laughs> Looking for a George Shrinks-esque motif. I just want there to be a tiny three-inch boy <laughs> just, like, painted on the wall. Just hide it's the like George a secret. <laughs> just paint, like, a little tiny George Shrinks in your house and then, like, put a yeah. piece of furniture in front of it and never tell anybody about it. And then you move out. <laughs> yeah, and then surprise, it's George Shrinks. Surprise, it's George Shrinks. I found a lot of Tumblr posts. Um, they, they kind of... There's kind of two solid varieties one being uh, the variety you see across a lot of shows that are like, does anybody remember this show or is that just me? And then the other <laughs> half being, right? why is he so small? <laughs> I think it's so small. <laughs> the, the first text post I saw on Tumblr just said, I'm the George Shrinks fandom. 
That's it. I'm the only one. <laughs> so I'll have to contact this person. Here's one that says, So am I the only one who experienced this hallucination? Or does anyone else remember this PBS show about the boy who was like five inches tall and everyone acted like it was the most normal thing ever? And then uh, <laughs> slight, slightly more aggressively, uh, this post is called Fucking George Shrinks. <laughs> oh my god. Does anyone remember that weird fucking cartoon, George Shrinks? I had to watch an entire DVD of the series once when I was getting a ride home from one of my mom's friends whose son really liked the show. All I remember was this one scene in an episode where he was doing his little miniature morning routine or some shit, and he went on a scale and made some vague comment about laying off the cake or something, and I was just... <laughs> I just... What is the situation where you're watching an entire DVD on your ride home? How long is that Like, did the mom home? just kind of, like, loop the block until the DVD was finished? You cannot leave my car until you finish your George This drinks. is the ceremony. We must honor oh George. Uh, this one I'll says, does anyone remember that show George Shrinks? It was like this kid who dreamt that he was three inches tall, and then he wakes up and he is fucking three inches tall. Can you imagine how terrifying <laughs> that would be? Like, all his friends and family just accept it and are like, great, dude, now we can just have a three-inch person around all the time. This isn't strange. Just what the fuck? And then, Legit questions. And then this one, was was George Shrinks born small? What did doctors say? Why is no one questioning the reason he is so tiny? This has plagued me for years. Oh, my God. So, yeah, a lot of questions still. When, when I looked up George Shrinks, you know, you get, like, the recommended, like, fill-ins. They'd be, like, George Shrinks DVD or things like that. But one of them was always, why is George Shrinks so small? God damn it, I just need to know. Why is he like that? Um, Before also, I die, I need to know why George Shrinks is so small. Finally, on Tumblr, there's also a lot of posts about George's dad just being Howard Stark and or Tony Stark, because apparently mm -hmm. there's a, a Stark comparison um, between them. <laughs> um, other things related to George Shrinks, there is, in, in the video game's fandom wiki, I found an entry for a George Shrinks video game uh, oh. released in 2002. I have not found any other evidence of this video <laughs> game. I cannot find an eBay listing. I cannot find any entry about this. All I can find is like a uh, like a CD-ROM game. I did find in uh, the r slash gaming Reddit uh, post that says, Does anyone remember a George Shrinks PC game from the 90s? Or was that just an asthma dream I had as a child? <laughs> oh my god. George Shrinks is an old Canadian cartoon about a kid named George who, for one reason or another, could shrink and would then go on adventures or some shit. I don't remember. I can almost guarantee I never <laughs> watched the show, but I have faint memories of playing a computer game in the same vein. My father even mentions us kids playing it along with other PC games of the same era, like Battle Chess, Doom, and even the infamous Chex Quest Doom remodel. Please tell me someone else remembers this and it's not a Mandela <laughs> effect or something. Oh my god. But yeah, I... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this game exists. Apparently, it's an elaborate fantasy. Um, also in Reddit, I found uh, one post that says, looking to invest into George Shrink memes. Is it worth the risk? <laughs> and the comment's like, I feel like this is too obscure. <laughs> like, but I guess there's some interest in making some memes out of George Shrinks, maybe in the vein of Danklin. Um, I, I will say the, the fandom wiki for George Shrinks itself is quite active if you go to uh the character page for uh george shrinks himself there's 17 comments on it um what 
Yeah, this one, I really like this one. This is from 2018. It says, I'll put you in the pool. You are a nice kid, George. I watched you a lot in TV someday. I will take you traveling. Someday you will enjoy a hot sauna while you are inactive. Sometimes your friend is very nice. I like your haircut. You Your show is very colorful and you have a very nice brother and your brother likes to play with you and your dad is a very good musician and your mom is a good artist. You have a very nice grandma and grandpa. Welcome, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. There's something. I'll put, I will take you to the pool. I'll put you in. No, it doesn't say I'll take you to oh, the yeah. pool. It says I'll put you in the oh, pool. Yeah. I'll put you in the pool. Like at first I was like, are you threatening George? Is this a threat? I'll put you in the pool. I'll put you in the pool, but, tiny boy. But like this this like very like direct address to George himself being like, hi, George. Uh, I You will enjoy the sauna one day, I promise. <laughs> I'll get you out of that TV. Um, other, <laughs> other folks, but like all of the comments in this page, it's like, it's like this is like an ask me anything. <laughs> they're talking directly to George. Um, I mean, this one just says, so what they're saying is George woke up from bed realizing he shrunk. And then the next one just says, what is your mom's name? Um, I love you. Who is the <laughs> oldest in the family? His brother is bigger than Garog. George is tiny. I watch <laughs> I watch George shrink every morning. I like to watch George shrink a lot. Uh, this one just says morning and then somebody responded, "Good morning, George shrinks." <laughs> this sounds like a computer program. <laughs> like a neural network just exploded. I know, I know, but it's just like everyone talking directly oh, to George and there's something about funny. it. I just, I really, really enjoy great. the most recent post in this fandom bookie is from four days ago. So it's oh still, God. it's still alive and well. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed it was George Shrinks. So I'll dive into the reviews. Um, this week's reviews come from Common Sense Media. Although going into these reviews, I saw for the first time the section within Common Sense Media um, that is called, Is It Any Good? <laughs> Which is a, just a section that I guess exists for these shows. Um, and in the response for, I guess, whoever was evaluating George Shrinks, um, they said, George's mom is a stay-at-home figure who would put Martha Stewart to shame. She seems to be forever making organic pumpkin spice muffins and taking the garden aphids to task with her fleet of organic gardening tools. And George's baby brother, Junior, simply idolizes George. Needless to say, the shrinks live in a very politically correct lifestyle that insulates their two children from the world. What? Excuse oh me, God. <laughs> All right. That's bizarre. But a couple of reviews. This one just says, George Shrinks is a good episode. I seen it every day after school. <laughs> That's a good episode of George Shrinks. <laughs> they seen it. This one says, I was so disappointed when I got to first grade and had a longer school day. I never saw the show again. I think I started watching this when I was about three, maybe two and a half, and I remember racing home from kindergarten and turning on the TV while my mom made lunch for me, and I would watch this every afternoon. My favorite show once I outgrew Teletubbies and then Dragon Tales. Actually, I had school when Dragon Tales was on. I was so disappointed when I got to first grade and had a longer school day. Oh, it was so cute. It's so cute. I like that they've like kind of like, they've sort of got their phases. Like, this is like post- Teletubbies and Dragon Tales. Yes, yes, <laughs> in, in that era of media. Um, yes. The only other um, kids review on Common Sense Media is called Poor Sparkle. They make my favorite character, the cat Sparkle, look evil. 
It is because in that one with the mouse in it, the boy and the rat are being attacked by the cat, and the baby scares the cat, and the cat runs away, and they have a party for the baby and say the baby saved the world and the cat was never seen again. Cruel baby! Oh my god. <laughs> I, I do like that they couldn't be bothered to learn any of the main characters' names. They're only here for the cat. It's just that baby just here for and Sparkle, the, the boy. <laughs> oh, the boy. George, the from boy. that one show. Oh. Boy Shrinks. Oh, oh Gorg. Um... But that, that is <laughs> that is George Shrinks. Um, like I said, this aired in a block with um, Seven Little Monsters. So my memories of this show are pretty much exactly the same as my memories of Seven Little Monsters, being that I only ever watched this when I was sick <laughs> and I was home and there was nothing on TV. <laughs> Amazing. That being said, I do have a George Shrinks Christmas ornament. <laughs> yes! Oh my god. Yes. yes. So uh, last Christmas, it was my first Christmas in my apartment. So I had friends over to my place to make ornaments with me and help me decorate. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hanging out. We're just chatting as we're like painting. And we got to talking about kids shows that we grew up with. And we got into like a lengthy discussion about George Shrinks, as you tend to do at Christmas. We, we started talking about the show. And I think we ended up like playing the theme song and then like going on like a, a binge of theme songs of, of shows on the time and then a friend of the pod Thomas Vallad said you know he was looking at one of the clear ornaments that I had that we were painting and he was like I would I just want to put George in this ornament and trap him there forever and have him in this ornament and then everybody left for the evening and I was bored and I had clay and painted and I was like you know what why not? <laughs> so I have a Christmas ornament that has a tiny little clay George shrinks trapped in it forever. And it's wonderful. God bless us, everyone. That's where my real him. attachment to George shrinks comes from, is that he is trapped in my home forever. None of you will ever see him again. Whoever you've been talking to on the fandom wiki is an imposter because the real George shrinks is in my home. You cannot take him to the sauna. No. You cannot put him in the pool. He only goes on the tree. Good evening, and welcome to the 25th annual Mr. Roscoe pageant. You know, Kim, it looks like the three R's tonight stand for reading, writing, and rollicking good times. <laughs> so we hop right into the pageant, and I did wonder if Ed and Ted would be part of the pageant, but it turns out they're like the musical accompaniment for the evening, which is great. They're just shredding on just, the side. It's just so shredding. I'm so confused, like... I guess the pageant's in the evening because they say tonight this thing is happening and the gym has a bunch of people in it, but nobody's dressed up. I don't understand what the pull is for students to go. Why, why, why would you only go formal to this? People? Why would you go yeah. to this? Why would you do this? Why would you go to this? And we get, we get this puzzling montage that kind of gives us the gist of the pageant. And we show the talent portion and... River's talent seems to be kind of like yelling into a microphone <laughs> or like pretending to sing into a microphone. <laughs> he's just like got this microphone in the stand. He's just like thrashing it around. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I have so many moral quandaries about there being a, a swimsuit portion of this. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, my God. Children. Uh, children. And I mean, like most of the most of the entries that we see are like goofy like Ray does a whole thing where he's in like kind of like a like mm -hmm. a muscle shirt and like trunks and he's got like a pool floaty 
and a snorkel. But then Rivers got like he's just put a giant happy face over his groin. Yeah, yeah. So he's naked. <laughs> it like looks naked, but has a happy face over his crotch. And it's um, <laughs> why? <laughs> who did this? Stop! Who did Ooh, this? Who did this? Speaking of who did this, oh no, I'd completely forgotten about what happens when we get to raise talent. Big whole cringe Oof. moment. So it turns out raise talent is spoken word and he's written a poem for Lily about Lily and he's trying to show how well he knows her, but he does that by being like, look at these embarrassing things that you did when you were a kid. I know all of them because I know you. And yeah. he he says her name on stage, and then he's like, Lily, will you go out with me? And she storms out of the room, and uh, he follows after her, and she's like, if you actually knew me, you'd know I don't want these public gestures. I don't want attention. If you want to go out with me, you should have just asked. And he's like, oh, okay, well, will you? And she's like, no, it's too late. It's far too late. Like far it's too late so dramatic but then she storms out we see that travis has just been standing there with his laptop in the hallway like he's just kind of followed them out and all i can oh think about gosh. is like if you're in that moment with the two of them you're having this argument and you just hear like this like furious typing <laughs> clickety 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 yeah i'm just picturing travis like leaping through an air vent or something to like scramble around to like go hide in that corner <laughs> he doesn't even seem very well hidden he seems like he just kind of no. followed them out and yeah. he's like, Lily, I'm sorry. And Travis is like, <laughs> Yeah, I must tell Bridget all of this. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a bad scene. It's man. a bad scene, and I'd completely for, I was so hyped for this pageant, completely forgetting about uh, the the major cringe that comes of it. Yeah, me too. It hurts, and it's also like, it's so frustrating. Like Lily's like, if you wanted to go out with me, you should have just asked. <laughs> After we've had episode. An episode, an episode of like... What could have been? <laughs> you know what bothers me the most? What, that you still sleep with stuffed dinosaurs? No, that you're a fake. Cougar Radio may support River Pierce, but you don't. I do too. I don't think so. Robbie and Kim are kind of hanging out during intermission. They called an intermission at the pageant after the whole Ray fiasco. And they're chilling out. Kim's wearing this, like, beautiful, like, periwinkle formal gown. She's, like, very dressed up for this pageant. Meanwhile, Robbie's just wearing, like, whatever the hell he was wearing earlier that day. And it actually ends up kind of mirroring their conversation because, you know, Robbie basically calls Kim a fake because Cougar Radio might be endorsing River, but Robbie's all like, but you don't really endorse River. I think under this veneer, there's like somebody who just wants to hang out and eat chips and listen to old records, which sounds amazing. <laughs> and Kim's like, oh, chips and records. This is why people go for guys like River. And like, what? <laughs> he listens to CDs and he eats pretzels. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Robbie's striking out there. A, a second surprisingly heartfelt interaction between Ray and Travis. I mean, like, oh, this season yeah. they really haven't been at each other's throats, even though they've been competing for Lily. It's all been, like, very, like, jokey rivalry kind of thing. Like, it's a very... It's been a much more pleasant dynamic, but, like, I guess now that Travis is into Bridget, he's, like, all supportive of, of Ray. Um, Ray wants to ditch the competition. He doesn't want to go back in there because he's super embarrassed. 
And Travis tells him that he's like, he's, he's proud of him because he took a chance and he put himself out there. And that's not something that, you know, Travis has really been able to, to do before. Um, and then, you know, it, throughout this whole debate, Travis goes back to like how he's been writing to Bridget. So like Ray's about to storm off and he's just like, dear Bridget, Ray's a quitter. <laughs> he quit on love. It's so dramatic. It's so great. It's so much. Travis wins Ray over and Ray is like, all right, I'll go do the thing. Meanwhile, Lily storms off and Parker kind of chases after her and tells her to stop and basically tells Lily, like, what are you doing? This guy you've been crushing on asked you out. And Lily's but but it wasn't supposed to happen like that. <laughs> and Parker's like, why don't you give him a script then? And Lily's like, no, it's supposed to be a surprise. And Parker's like, um, surprise. Well, what do you want? Well, well, this is what happened. Please tell us what your dream date would be. Easy. Walk on the beach in the setting sun, her hand in mine, gazing into each other's eyes. So we're back in the pageant, and we're right down to the end of it. We're at the Q&A. Um, the only contestants left to, to go are River and Ray. So River, you know, he's asked, what's your perfect date? Um, and she's like, oh, walk on the beach. And we stare into each other's eyes. And yeah, that's that's as perfect as heaven would allow. And every girl in the oh, audience swoons, and it's disgusting. Kim says, that sounds great. But sometimes you can have fun listening to old records. And she and, like, Robbie have a meaningful look. And Travis is all like, could two people have a private moment in front of hundreds of people? There's, like, 40 <laughs> people in this room. Also, why is he fucking typing during the pageant? How obnoxious how, is that? How Just... would Waller not be like, stop? Yeah. <laughs> why did you come? Why are you here? <laughs> but then Lily comes back in, um, just as Ray has asked his question, and he's asked if you could relive any moment, what would it be? And he says that he would relive the moment that just happened, the moment of him saying that poem for Lily. Um, and he says that, you know, if he could live it over and over and over again, that maybe there would be one time where she'd be able to see past, you know, the kind of stunt of it and just see that he he really cares about her. He's crazy for her. And Aww. Lily starts the clapping and it's it's a very sweet moment. But the pageant ends. We're in Mickey's and we see Ray wearing the crown, but it turns out he just stole it from River um, as a bit. River <laughs> did win. Lily is sitting with Parker and Megan, um, kind of wallowing in the fact that, you know, she lashed out at Ray like that and told him that he couldn't ask her out um, and that she's going to be stuck single forever. And uh, Parker's like, eh, it's fine. You'll get used to this no man's land. And Megan's like, that's it. That's the name of the band, because they've been trying to name the band no the whole time. Land. We have a band name. It's No Man's Land, this trio that we've just formed. But Lily kind of determined, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go over to Ray. I'm going to tell him how I feel. And she does. And before she can, like, kind of get out, you know, what she's trying to say, Ray's like, don't worry about it, Lily. It's actually working out fine. Like, I've gotten so many numbers. Look at this. Because <laughs> I guess all of these girls are... Responding really well to, like, the sweet thing that he said on stage. Oh, it's so frustrating. But we get... Lily, just tell him. God. <laughs> we get the final wrap-up of the episode. Uh, once again, through a framing device of Travis writing to, to Bridget. And in his, like, closing bit, he's like, Oh, by the way, the paint in that room that I was talking about finally dried. And he sends her a, a 
picture of a wall in a classroom because Travis is really good at writing riveting material. And then he has this really great moment where he goes to click send and he does like, he brings his finger up really high and like, just like slams it down on the key. And we see like in this early 2000s, like email animation, like the email, like send off. Oh. And it's the end of the episode. It's great. It just goes pew, pew. Oh, also in Tech with Travis, uh, one thing we didn't mention was during Ray's moments, like Travis has pulled up his little flip phone and it's taking video. And it's great because we get like a shot of just like the shitty cell phone video. Oh, oh. <laughs> so nostalgic. Terrible. But that's uh that's our episode, a very dramatic one for uh the relationships of the show. Some dramatic oh my God, yeah. character development for Ray and and for the dynamic between him and Travis. The Lily and Ray flirtation has uh yet another step back. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's fun. It's only been like thirty episodes of this. But over in Mickey's Discs for this week, we've got Tide by Flip Switch, Anthem by Shannon Fasten, In the Meantime by The Dirt Mitts, Mirror Mirror by Jet Overhead, What's a Boy to Do by The 68s, Ordinary by Sinclair, and The Secret Weapon by Sinclair. So Flip Switch song in the episode plays as, like, the boys are talking about how dumb the Mr. Roscoe pageant is. I see the changing tides are out again. They are a band from Vancouver, BC. They are an original four-piece alternate rock band, according to LiveVan.com. I've never heard of the, f- I've never heard of the genre alternate rock. Not instead of alternative rock, Lantern it's kind of like spec, you know. <laughs> Lantern rock. Flip Switch has played to sold-out shows in some of Vancouver's most prominent venues, including the Starfish Room and the Purple Onion. Which sound like two made-up venues, but... <laughs> Other memorable shows include UBC's Oktoberfest and New Music West in 2000. Um, their current status is, as of 2017, they've been continuing making music under a new name. Holiday. I guess they're still going along. They have a website, flipswitchmusic.com, which just redirects to their Spotify page. It's pretty smart. Go give Flipswitch a listen if you want. More BC indie or rather alternate rock if you're not already you can follow us on social media you can find us at podcast free roscoe on facebook and instagram or pod free roscoe on twitter you can also email us feel free to send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com let us know what you think of the show what do you think of rfr any fun CanCon memories what you think of me <laughs> what you tell me what you think of do you me. like us do you think i'm nice do you like us do you like the parts where my voice gets all wonky? <laughs> Do you like the way that I say kiss and I can't say it normally when I'm You did it! Scene? You did it! She made a breakthrough! But send us an email. Send us a voice clip if you want. We'll put you on the air. And uh, yeah, have a good time with it. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. <laughs>